see you. Glad to, glad you're here. I see you guys are awake. Um, special welcome. If you happen to be a first timer here, we're really glad that you chose to be here today, and we just hope that you are encouraged and and know that you are that there's a God who loves you and wants to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Um, that's true whether you're here in person or whether you're joining us online. Um, hello to all you who are who are doing that today and, and are worshiping with us online. Um, I want to start, I want to hit you with a question first thing this morning, and I just kind of wanted to sit with you for a moment um, as we look at Scripture. We're going to be in John chapter 5 today, looking at a, a section of Scripture in there. So John 5, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, and if not, it's going to be up on the screen. Um, but here's the question I want you to, to ponder. Um, and, and it's not like the most like yeehaw kind of question, but it, I think it's worth considering. Have you ever before in your life felt vulnerable? Have you ever felt like you were in need of help? Like you were at a place where you were down, you were low, and you needed to be lifted up? Is anyone willing to? I've got my hand up in that regard. Okay. All right. Thank you. All you truth tellers. And the rest of you are just lying to yourself. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, we're going to come back to that in a minute. But I want that to kind of sit with you. I want you to, to think about that and let that be with you. Now, we're starting a new series today. Um, but I will tell you that a, a few months ago, because I like to work ahead, and, and be, I was working on this series for this time, and I was actually, I was about one and a half messages into a series on the personality assessment, the Enneagram. Okay, who's familiar with the Enneagram? Okay, a lot of you. Um, so, and I, I, it's just really interesting to me. And so I was working on this. Um, for those of you who don't know what an, the Enneagram is, it's, it's a personality assessment. It kind of focuses on, you know, who you are and why you think the way you do and respond the way you do and how you uh, relate to and work with other people and, and all that. And, and I'm, I'm a... Uh, might not be a shock to a lot of you. I'm an eight. I'm the challenger. That's kind of how I am. Um, uh, don't want to be controlled, that kind of thing. Um, in the Myers-Briggs, some of you know the Myers-Briggs, right? I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur, ESTP, right? So um, I don't know where you find yourselves. Um, the DISC assessment, who's done the DISC? Some of you, okay. I'm a persuader, so you kind of see the trend here. Um, in the four animals test, wow, I'm a lion. I don't, wow, that was strange. Yeah, we're not going to do it again. But yeah, I'm sure I'll hear about that again later. <laughs> <laughs> so as a staff, this past week, we did a, a personality thing that I'm in this, uh, this pastor cohort that we, we meet together um, and learn together and challenge each other. And so what I'm learning in that, I'm turning around and sharing with our staff. And we, um, we did an assessment this past Monday in our staff meeting called The Five Voices. Um, it's really good. If you don't know about it and you like these kinds of things, I encourage you to look it up, Five Voices. Um, and my goodness, it pegged us each, and it really showed how we work together and all these things. And we had like two-and-a-half-hour conversations about how we can be stronger together as a staff. And uh, it was just a really 
good time and and it like I said it just really pegged us and I've always been kind of intrigued oh with with the five voices I'm a, a creative pioneer so there you go so you have all these like awesome words that you know I mean none of us would do the personality assessments if the answer was like and you're a slime ball like you never get those kind of responses because that would be no fun and we wouldn't do the tests anymore so we always get these like action words that make us feel really great but I, I've always been kind of intrigued by these, you know, assessments and, and all that. But here's, so like I'm working on the series, right? I'm, I'm going that way. I'm, I'm working on this. It's what I'm thinking about. And what I started to really consider, and, and it's not like a light bulb moment, but is that none of those type of assessments, right? The DISC, the Enneagram, all those things, none of them are like the end-all be-all of, of who you are. None of them are like, they don't, they don't describe, they don't, they can give like a hint of who you are, right, when you take this kind of a test, but it, it's not all of you. It's not everything about you. And, you know, I, I thought about, I was like, these are not who I was created to be, and, and without a doubt, I can say that like a, a string of letters or a number with wings, you know, or, you know, these strong active words, they, they don't come close really to capturing, like, the fascinating complexities of, of you or of me. Like, they just, they don't come close to, to being able to really peg, like, who we are, like, the human mind, our personality. And so what I would think about these assessments, as, as cool as they are to me, is they are, they are not the answer to who we are. And, and I, especially like with the Enneagram, a lot of us are like, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a this, so that's just who I am. And oh, my goodness, I'm such a, you know, and you put in the number, and, and we just kind of leave it there. And, but none of these things capture this of who we are. And so, th so like I said, the, the assessments are really just kind of like, they're not an answer to who we are. It's almost just maybe like a momentary spotlight, you know, or like a flashlight for a moment, like a little glimpse of this is how you work, this is how you you tick. So, I'm explaining all this to get to a point. So then I started to think, okay, so these are cool, but they don't really define us, so do I really want to spend like a whole series on this? And then I started to think, okay, why are we intrigued by these kinds of tests, right? Like, why do we go, oh, I want to I wanna take this test and see what it comes out, you know, or I took it before 10 years ago, I want to try it again and see if it's changed or how I've changed, and why are we so intrigued by this? Why, why do we want to, you know, like, a lot of us so badly know who, who we are and how we relate to each other? And that's really where my mind started to go, okay, where are we going with this? Because I believe that we ask these kinds of questions like, you know, who am I? Why do I work the way I work? Why do I respond the way I do? Why do I think the way I do? Why is it that, that some people are so, are so driven and I am so, you know, timid? Why are people so, you know, why can't I be more nurturing and, and less, you know, just go, go, go? You know, we, why do we ask these questions? And I believe it's because we realize that deep, deep down, like in, inside of us, like in our soul, that there is, we ask these questions because we realize there is a purpose for our existence. 
like who we are, it, it's important for us to know who we are because there is something for us to do, that there is a way in which we are to live because there is a creator who, who put us together. And, and, that, and that we ask these questions because there's one who is so much above us and it's not just about a personality. And so I, I want us instead to think about this instead of a personality assessment for us instead to kind of focus on that we are uniquely made for this, this grand design and that okay, we want to know more about this. What, we want to know more about the part that we have to play in this. So it might not surprise you then to know that, okay, if we all uh, kind of can nod and say, yeah, I, I, really, I understand there's something greater. It's not just about a test or a personality. It might not surprise you then to know that I looked up, because, um, you know, where do we all get our information Right, Google, right? That's Google's it. That's where we get all our information. And so I looked it up and I said, okay, who's asking? What are people asking? You know, have you ever done one of those things? It's like start the, like the, you know, where is the, and then you let it see how it finishes the sentence or whatever. And so I thought it'd be interesting to, to do that in regard to like our existence. Like what is our purpose? Like why are we the way we are? You know, those kind of big, big questions. And the Google, the Google, um, that's not what I meant to say. The Google results were very interesting because when you ask like wh about our existence and our purpose and, and what's, what's out there besides just us, there were three top questions that hit in regard to that. And the first one was, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Like people are Googling, who is Jesus? I love that. I mean, as the body of Christ, as the church, that tells us that, that we have a responsibility like in our, in our lives to, to be someone who answers that question for people, right? So the top question was, who is Jesus? Then people were asking, what is the church? What is the church? And then the third question people were Googling was, who is God? And so I found out that, okay, what, how many people are doing this? So you just didn't take a lot to find this out. In 2020, so far, 1.8 million people a month are Googling who is Jesus. That's a lot of people. And then 1.2 million people so far in 2020 are Googling what is the church. So you see the importance of it. And then a million people a month so far in 2020 are asking who is God. And so obviously there's this desire, right? There's this hunger for understanding. And so I chucked my message and a half on the Enneagram and the personality thing, and I shifted, and what I want us to do is I want us to talk about these three questions because I think if we can find ourselves, first of all, being able to get the answer that we might be looking for in those three, or we are equipped to answer those questions for other people, that I think we're really starting to deal with who we are and why we exist and what is our purpose and all those things. Like it's the deeper questions. I mean, I think so because if you add all those up, close to four million people a month so far just in Google are asking these questions. So I mean, this is on people's hearts. It's on their mind. 
And so I want us to look at that. So we're starting this series. It's the world's longest intro. <laughs> we're starting this series today called Questions. Questions. And I want us to look at the one, the one that's asked the most, the 1.8 million. And it's the question, who is Jesus? And so, okay, well, that's super easy. I thought, where in the world do I start with this? Where, I mean, because there's so many ways, there's so many directions we could go with who is Jesus. I mean, we could just talk about his divinity, right? We could just talk about how, how you look at, just take the book of Isaiah and how it was prophesied and how Jesus ticked all these boxes off that were written so long ago with, from the prophet Isaiah. I mean, we could talk about how, how Jesus is perfection, right? Because without him being perfect then his sacrifice for us it, it kind of you know it doesn't really mean a lot if he wasn't the perfect lamb if he wasn't the perfect sacrifice for our sins so we could talk about his perfection we could we could zero in on that and then we could I thought well okay we could talk about his humanity and then he's just like us he was just like us walking on this earth for you know three decades or then I thought, okay, where I could really go with this thing, because it's my favorite aspect of Jesus, is just to talk about the grace that he brings. Because I so desperately need it. I live in it every day. And you do too. So I was like, okay, where do we go? But, <sighs> and then I just thought, all right, the best way in my, in my, um, that I knew how to present an answer to the question, who is Jesus, was to actually look in, in Scripture and look at a, an interaction. It wasn't a very uh, long moment, really, when you think about how Jesus interacted with people, but to look at this interaction that Jesus had with someone, to, to look at it, to and, and here's the deal. It was an interaction he had with someone who was vulnerable, someone who was most definitely in need of help, an interaction he had with someone who needed to be lifted up, right? And so those of us that raised our hand, we can relate to what we're about to look at. And for those of you that didn't, and you were just lying to yourself, um, <laughs> you, you've probably felt that way too. So we can relate to this. We can understand this. We can get this. And in this interaction, before we look at it, I just have to say this. And if you were with us when we were downtown, you've heard me uh, teach on this passage. Um, it is, it's right up there with, with me in, in regard to like Romans chapter 7 and, and, and John chapter 5. These are some passages that, that are just so very powerful and have had an impact on me. Um, but this interaction that Jesus has, he, he so it's funny because we're doing this series on questions, the questions that we have, but it's interesting because we're going to look at a question that Jesus actually asked. And I'm telling you folks, this is the question. Like the question that Jesus asked, the interaction he has with this guy, it is the question, in my opinion, of all questions that could ever be asked of any human being on the earth at any time. It is the question. It is like the crucial question that Jesus asks. And we start in verse 1 of John 5. 
This kind of sets the scene for the question. And it says this, so, so Jesus is doing his ministry, okay? And it says, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was a pool of Bethesda with the five covered porches. And crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him, and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? You see the question? Would you like to get well? And Jesus cuts to the heart of it right here. Okay, he just goes right in for it. And he says to this person, would you like to get well? And so what I would ask you this morning is for you to imagine yourself being stuck in a, in a situation, being, being in a circumstance right now, being, being uh, in a place of brokenness, of, of being at that dead end, of, of being up against a wall, of feeling weak, of feeling hopeless like this man was. Like, imagine yourself in that place. And for some of you, it's not hard for you to imagine because you're there right now. Or for others of us, it's like, oh, I've been there. I get this. I understand. I understand this guy in this place, in this moment. I get it. But imagine yourself down with, with no promise of getting up again. And I remember, it, I remember a specific moment about 14 years ago. And I've shared with, with you all uh, openly about anxiety and, and depression that, I've, I've, you know, that I live with. And, and, um, and at the time, it was undiagnosed. And I found myself in the middle of ministry at a really, really low place. Like I was down. Um, you know, I wasn't going to harm myself, but, um, but I, was, I was low. And so, you know, even as that, you know, challenger, I interpreter, creative pioneer lion that I was, am, I was depressed, I was anxious, and I was completely, completely unequipped to deal. And it was in that place of brokenness, it was in that place of feeling like I was at a dead end and up against the wall and feeling weak and feeling hopeless that John chapter 5 verse 6 was very, very real to me. Jesus asking me the question, Shannon, do you want to get well? See, I understood the man by the pool. I didn't realize it, but I was craving that question that Jesus asked. Would you like to get well? So close to two million people are saying, who is Jesus? And I want us to start with the fact that he is the one who comes alongside of us and says, do you want to get well? That's who Jesus is. He's the one that comes alongside when we're down. He, he's the one who comes alongside an anxious and a depressed pastor and says, would you like to get well? Now, who is Jesus? 
I mean, I think, you know, he, he's, he's the one who sits with, with the couple who are dealing with the betrayal of adultery in their marriage. And in that brokenness, Jesus comes alongside of them and says, would you like to get well? Right? Who is Jesus? Jesus, he's the one that, that walks with the, with the teenager who, who is, whose parents are going through a divorce and, and, and they're, they're in grief and there's sorrow and there's self-blame and confusion. And, and Jesus comes alongside that teenager and says, do you want to get well? Would you, would you like to get well? Who is Jesus? That Jesus is he's the one who, who comes alongside the, the adult who's making difficult decisions for their aging parents. And you feel like, are, am, I, am I failing? Am I doing this right? Oh my goodness, I'm trying to parent my parent. And, and Jesus comes alongside and says, would you like to get well? Jesus, we say, who are you? Who, who is he? He's the one that, that comes alongside the 20-something the, the, the who already in their young life is dealing with addiction. And Jesus lovingly sits alongside of them and says, Would you like to get well? Jesus is the one who's near to the, the parent of the, the challenging child. <laughs> who feels like they have failed as a parent and they don't measure up and, and, and Jesus asks them, would you like to get well? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the one who, who comes alongside the young adult who is wondering what their future likes because looks like because all their, their friends are getting married and finding jobs and moving on and they feel abandoned and Jesus comes alongside that young adult and says, would you like to get well? Who is Jesus? Let me tell you who he is. Jesus is the one who took on flesh and blood, and he walked for 33 years on this earth before having that flesh broken and that blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sin. That's who Jesus is. Right? Jesus is the one who endured unimaginable pain and, and he gasped his last breath. And then his lungs stopped taking in air. And then no blood pumped through the heart or ran through the arteries and veins anymore. And no, no brain synapses were, were occurring, right? And, and no muscle twitched. That's who Jesus is. And then, three days later, three days later, think about this. The very elemental structure of oxygen that he spoke into existence at the beginning of creation, he suddenly drew into his, breath, his lungs once more. And his motionless heart, right, the, the intricately designed engine of our bodies, suddenly it began to pulse 
And once again, it started driving that, that life-giving blood into his extremities, bringing color and, and warmth to what was a cold, pale body. And his inactive brain, it began firing, right? And it started sending signals to his body to rise up, to stand, to walk, and to once more be among those that he came to save. And by so doing, Jesus asks all humanity, would you like to get well? And here's what I love about the question that Jesus asks and the, the continuation of this conversation with this person that I can relate to, that person. I think a lot of you can too. But what I love about this question that Jesus asks, and please hear this because this is where a lot of us get stopped, right? Our excuses for not being well do not phase Jesus. I will say it again. Our excuses for not being well do not phase Jesus. Here's what we find. The response, the first response that this person has when Jesus asks them, would you like to get well, is this. I can't, sir. I can't. You ever been in that place before? I can't. Some of you, as we're talking, you might be going, oh, Shannon, but you don't know why I'm down. You don't know why I'm at this place. You don't know why I'm at this dead end. You don't know why I'm at this brokenness. I can't. That was the response of this person. I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up and someone else always gets there ahead of me. See, there was this idea that, that the waters could help bring healing, which is why all those people were lying about that pool under those covered porches. I can't, sir. See, but our excuses for not being well don't face Jesus, and we know this because of verse 8. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Stand up, pick up your mat, walk. And, and this is good news, folks, because Jesus doesn't hear our excuses and throw up his hands and go, oh my goodness, you're right, I, I'm defeated in this one. That is a valid point. I get it. I, you're right. I understand why you can't because that's just too much for me. Go, you stay unwell. He doesn't do that. The man said, I can't, and Jesus said, stand up. The man said, I can't, and Jesus said, pick up your mat. The man said, I can't, and Jesus said, walk. Who is Jesus? <laughs> Jesus is the one who hurdles over the obstacles that we think are too great to get past. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who, who busts through like the walls of addiction and adultery and anxiety and disappointment and despair and depression and brokenness and betrayal. Jesus busts through all of that and says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And too many of us, I've been here, 
too many of us want Jesus to join us in our weaknesses, join us in our brokenness, but we want him to stay there with us. And Jesus instead wants us to join him in his strength and walk. And then in verse 9, it says this. Instantly, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. He didn't stay where he was. He didn't stay there. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the one who says, get up, walk. Jesus is the one who who meets us where we are, but he calls us to something so much more. Did you hear that? He cares about the brokenness. He cares about the dead end. He understands it. He gets it, but he, he wants you to, he calls us to something more. That's who Jesus is. So how do we live this out? How do we live this out? Because when I think about this kind of message, I'm thinking, okay, this is for the person who doesn't know who Jesus is, or it's for those of us who are surrounded by people who are wondering who is Jesus, and that that we need to be equipped to answer this and to live this out. How, How do we help answer this Googled question? Who is Jesus? Well, we have to start with this thought first before I give you some practicality. It's not about why we are down when we are down. And a lot of us, that's where we focus on. We want to zero in on why. Why am I in this place? Why am I broken? Why am I hurting? Why, 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 why? We want to hang out there. And it's not about why we are down. It's about the question Jesus asked to us while we are down that is important. And so many of us just want to focus on the why and the history and the details of why we're in that place. But what's most important, Jesus shows us by this conversation with this man, he didn't go into a long, well, well tell me more, tell me more about, I mean, it's not that he doesn't care, but he cares so much, he doesn't want you to stay there, and he wants you to get up, pick up your mat, and walk. So how do we practically live this out? Well, I think, I think we look at what Jesus did, and that is he came alongside of this man he came alongside me he's come alongside a lot of you so what do we do we commit to be present in other people's lives we commit to be the person who who comes alongside of people and and says no you don't have to stay there you don't have to remain there we live in our lives as a person who says you know what i was broken I was at that dead end. I was at that place where I thought the obstacle was too big to overcome. But, but Jesus overcame it for me. And he's called me to something more. And I got up and I picked up my mat and I'm walking. We'd be prepared to be that person to speak that in other people's lives. A couple of weeks ago I shared with you an opportunity, you know, knowing you know, how 
our world is the way it is right now, that you know, normally this would be the time of year we'd be like so pushing and talking about and excited about our community groups and meeting on campus and meeting you know when you can Sunday mornings and Wednesdays and whenever and at homes and wherever you could go but we knew that that wasn't really quite as possible as it could be so we said you know what we want to we, but we want to give our people opportunity and so we said let's let's talk about this and so I presented to you the the parakaleo groups remember that Greek word I taught you a few weeks ago and it means to come alongside of someone and encourage them I mean, this is what Jesus is doing in this passage. He's living out parakaleo with this man, and he's done it in my life. He's done it for a lot of you. And so how do we do this? Then, then I would say let's do what Jesus did, and, and let's come alongside of each other. So we're, we're saying, like, we want this coming week. If it can be this week, then next week. But for us to, to be people who say, I need this in my life, and I want to share this with other people too. So I'm asking you to pray about, if you haven't already, of starting a parakaleo group of, of saying, I'm going to meet with a couple of people over the next couple of weeks, you know, up until before Thanksgiving, and, and we're just going to be together and we're going to come alongside each other and we're going to encourage each other and we're going to ask each other important questions like how is it with your soul and how did the scriptures live in you this week and how are you investing in the most important relationships that God's given you right now like what does that look like and just for us to encourage each other because without encouragement very quickly folks I can find myself feeling hopeless and defeated and unable to to just do the things that I know that, that I'm equipped and called to do you follow me on that we need encouragement and so I would ask you like when you hear this story of Jesus in John chapter 5 coming, along, coming up to this man and, and offering him hope and life do you crave for someone to, to walk alongside of you and encourage you in that same way? Do you, do you need that? Do you, do you crave for that encouragement? Do you, do you want to not be the one that's living in defeat, but instead be the one that's living in victory, the victory that Jesus gives to us? Because it's right here, and, and that's what I want. That's what I'm excited for the Paracleo groups that I'm, I'm going to be a part of. I've, I'm going to be in two of them. We're gonna, my husband and I are gonna meet with a couple other, a few other couples, and then I'm gonna meet with a couple of ladies, and I'm excited about this. I crave this, and I need this in my life. Well, Shannon, you're the pastor, so you can do a group and you can lead it because you're you you know all the things. It, no, it's I mean, well, maybe I don't know, but like, it's so simple. We we've set this thing up where you go onto our website, theporchcc.com, and you click right there on Paracolea Groups, and it's going to tell you what, it, what the groups are like. I mean, it can tell you what your group can be like, and then later this evening, it's going to have the questions that will be there every single week. They're the same questions. There are 10 questions that you can talk about with other people. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a teacher. You can just do this, and you can meet at your home or at a restaurant or you know you can come sit out here if you want and our you know, picnic tables 
whatever. You can Zoom, FaceTime if you need to. A mixture of all of that, that's probably what our group's going to be like. But we're going to walk alongside of each other. Because the question that Jesus asked, which answers the question we ask about Jesus, do you want to get well, says it all. Because I think deep down inside of any, any thoughtful person who can pause all the noise and all the distractions and all the stuff going on in their life, good and bad and indifferent, pause it all, silence it all, we all would admit to ourselves that we desire to be who we were created to be by Almighty God. I truly believe this. And I think this is the beginning of us living into that. So if you're hungry for this, if you're starving for this, here it is, folks. I said this a couple weeks ago. I'll say it to you again because I think it's important. When Jesus, well, this part I didn't say, but I'll, when Jesus asks us the question, would you like to get well? I believe that these, these parakaleo groups that we're, we're setting up, and we're not saying here's a group here and here's a group there. You make the group. You decide the group. You, you pick the group, right? But these are real, tangible opportunities to, to pick up our mats and walk. Here they are. Like, here they are, right in front of us. And for... A l- <laughs> so many of you have intended to do something like this for a long, long time. And here it is. Who is Jesus? He's the one who asks, would you like to get well? And then he makes it completely possible for you to do that. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the way in which you... (laughs) You work, and God, I have absolutely no doubt that this morning in this auditorium and online that there's, there are persons who needed to hear this today. But the reality is, is we all needed to hear it. We all needed to, to lean into this and understand this and, and, and kind of grapple with this. Is We need you, Jesus, and you are the only one, the only one, who brings life to our sin-dead lives. It is by what you have done that we have life. It is by what you endured that we have life. It is through your death and through your resurrection that we are alive and we're even able to ask the question, who is Jesus? Lord, would you continue answering that question as we go about the rest of our day, as we spend a little bit of time together in worship before we leave, as we go out, as Lord, would you not release us from this? That we would not only embrace the truth of who Christ is, but Lord, would you not release us from this gnawing desire that we have inside of us to come alongside of each other and grow in our faith to support one another and to be supported.
God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the amazing staff that I get to serve alongside. Lord, would you help us to, to lead even better, more intentionally and with your power and your grace. God, I thank you for the ways that you provide for us so that ministry can happen in our community. Would you bless the gifts that we bring all for the sake of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.